0: Howdy listeners, today I've decided to share with you a bonus episode from the Crypto Naturalist Patreon page. You can subscribe to the Crypto Naturalist Patreon for more bonus content and to support the work of the show. Find it at www.patreon.com slash crypto naturalist. Today's bonus feature is written and read by Leslie J. Anderson. She's the voice of Cassandra, the voice of the credits on The Crypto Naturalist, and an occasional co-writer on episodes. Thank you again for your support.
1: Winter Horses and Other Unknowables by Leslie J. Anderson The winter I learned the truth about Mary's deer was also the coldest on record since 1932. It was the kind of cold that made your lungs hurt and your skin prickle, but the horses still needed to eat, so I drove my hand-me-down hatchback through the woods to Black Star Stables, where Mary taught children to ride and rehabilitated horses other people would have sold for dog food. Some of them had already been sold for dog food and we bought them for $50 behind a resting auction barn when lazy dealers didn't want to bother to load them onto their trucks. One of the $50 horses raced my little car up the driveway that morning. He was young and had already put on enough weight that it didn't make me sick to look at him. I had no idea if he was trained at all, but we would find out when he was strong enough. With a happy flip of his head, he disappeared around the corner of the barn, waiting for me to fetch him inside. We might have to keep them all inside, I thought. Horses can endure more than most mammals, but everything has its limits. I didn't get out of the car right away. I let the heater run and hoped I would soak up some of its heat before I had to work, and I read the letter again. Thank you for using Gene Match Michigan. Our goal is to map families across Michigan and eventually the Midwest. Your genetics matched 12 of our other participants Three of these matched as sibling, one matched as parent, eight matched as cousin or other family relation. For full details on your genetic matches, see your personal genetic relation tree below. So far our results have been 99.8% reliable. If you believe we have made a mistake, please contact us. Thank you again for volunteering for our program. This information will contribute to genetic research for decades to come. Below that was a detailed family tree, with participant numbers where names should be. Over father was number 087593, and below that were three sibling numbers. Three more siblings than I'd had before I'd opened the envelope. Before I opened the envelope, there was only me. There was a sharp tap on the window, and I jumped, shoving the letter away as if it was something I should be ashamed of, though I'd done nothing wrong. I'd only been curious. I'd only let a sliver of suspicion dig into my mind. I don't trust your mother, Maria. Mary stood beside the car, her hand raised in case she had to tap on the glass again. Her sharp features were frozen in irritation, which could have easily looked like fury if you didn't know her. Mary was an old school horsewoman. She had a gun in her truck and dirt in her skin. I wasn't sure how old she was, maybe 65, or 92, or 300. She'd lost an eye in a riding accident before I could remember, and her white iris looked oddly opalescent, reflecting light almost like a cat's eye sometimes. A lot of people thought she was a mean woman, but even at 16, I could tell that wasn't true. She'd seen a lot of hurt in the world, and healed what she could of it. Mostly, she was furious that the world rewarded her only by sending her more hurt. "'There are more bones by the west gate,' she said as we walked to the barn. I hurried after her. Sunrise threw strange light through the trees reflecting off the ice, lanced blue light through the forest. Somewhere, ice cracked a branch, which crashed to the ground. I almost rolled my ankle on the way into the barn— the stones around the stable were oddly round, like ugly gray marbles, and I was always sliding over them and picking them out of horses' hooves. It was just another strange thing, like all the other strange things about the place. Like the old dog who'd been hit by a car six months ago, the neighbor who hit it stopped to apologize, hat and hands, unable to look at Mary. The dog came hobbling home that evening and fell asleep in the tack room like nothing had happened. I told Mary we should take him to the vet, but she said he was fine, and he was. We worked in silence for hours. Mary didn't talk much usually, and she almost never talked while she worked. It gave me a lot of time to think, and I had a lot to think about. I thought about my dad's head rolling across the pillow, his eyes focused on nothing. I tripped over the bottles beside his bed, trying to catch him before he rolled to the floor. I don't trust your mother, Maria. I know some things she's did, and that's just the things I know. I realized I was falling behind when Mary came up behind me and punched me on the shoulder. I tried not to rub it, but it did hurt. I don't think Mary knew how strong she was. Well, maybe she did. You're dragging today, she said. Sorry. Don't say sorry. Do better. I nodded. It was one of her sayings, something I'd heard again and again since I was six, like heels down, eyes up, and breathe at the halts, and turn the water pump off when you're done with it. I tried to put my head down and push through the haze in my brain. I checked the $50 gelding and found heat in one of his ankles. When horses are injured, their bodies produce heat, and the heat can kill infection, but the heat can also cause its own damage. It can cause the connective tissue to break down. I'd keep an eye on it. That's the best you can do sometimes. Keep an eye on it and wait. The cold was probably good for it today. What's wrong? Mary asked, appearing over me like a phantom. I think he twisted his ankle. That's not what I meant. I found out my mom's cheating on my dad, or she did once. Silence. I looked up at her and the gelding stepped away from me. He was one of those easily irritated souls. He had no time for whatever I was trying to do. So what are you going to do about it now that you know? I don't know. It changes everything. Her gaze didn't shift for me. If there was any movement in her face, it was the slightest deepening of her permanent frown. Doesn't it? Maria? I want to show you something, but I'm trying to decide if you can handle it." I didn't know how to answer that. For one, it was the longest string of consecutive words she'd ever said to me. Secondly, if Mary didn't think I could handle something, I almost certainly couldn't. I felt her goals for me were almost always just above my abilities. I was always failing by the skin of my teeth, and she endured me because I was the only one who didn't have a family emergency every time the thermostat dipped below 25. I ran my hand along the gelding's neck until she finally nodded and shrugged one shoulder. When a horse follows you, they usually follow the motion of your shoulder because they can clearly see it. The best horsemen can control a horse just with that movement. Mary could and she could move me with it too. We headed toward the far field, a pasture I'd never been to. There was a long fenced path to it through the woods. I assumed there was a paddock at the other end, but only Mary led horses out there. She said it was too far away, and she wanted to keep an eye on us. Sometimes she wandered out there with a bucket and a loaf of old bread to feed the deer. That's what we did now. She went into her house, a tiny, battered, white shotgun shack on the property. It had once been surrounded by flower beds, but she'd let the foals loose in her yard every once in a while, and they'd trampled or eaten all of it. There was a lawn jockey half-sunken into one of the beds. For some reason, someone glued little mirror tesserae all over its eyes. They reflected the white snow and gray sky. The ancient dog came out first, pushing the screen door open with his nose and leaning against my legs, heavier and heavier until I bent down and scratched him. Mary reappeared with a metal bucket and a loaf of bread. She handed me the bucket, and I looked down at red, blood red and meat, chunks of fatty meat. The bucket was heavy with it. Mary! Keep your voice down and let's go. What are we doing? Feeding the deer. The ice was thick on the trail and cracked under our boots. The strange round stones rolled into the ditches and I could hear the ice breaking in the trees. There was no paddock at the end of the fence. It simply stopped at a metal gate that Mary unchained and kicked open. The old dog snuffled at my bucket and I shooed him away without looking too closely inside it. It made my stomach turn. The path went on and on I saw deer trails converge with it, the animals wandering from forest to walk along the wide road. There were also tracks I didn't recognize, tiny bird tracks and little mammal hands, maybe a possum or a raccoon. My blood went cold as I thought of bears. Could there be bears in the woods? The ice beneath the tracks seemed almost blue, like antifreeze. I kept walking. The path ended in a field with a lake in the center. Or maybe just a very deep puddle, as the tall, tan grass grew right through the ice. Standing on the ice, sniffing at the surface, were six or seven deer. As we walked closer, I realized they were larger than deer. My mind corrected to elk, but elk didn't live around there. My mind corrected again and again as we walked toward them, flickering through mammals that made sense that could possibly be standing in front of me, even if they had to escape from a zoo to be there. But it was impossible. They were too huge, too lean. Their necks were too long. They were the wrong color, a tannish green that reminded me of moss on the side of rocks. I kept walking, but my joints tightened, blood roared in my head. My body reacted like an animal, afraid and unsure and afraid because I was unsure. Mary shrugged me forward. The first one raised its head to look at us, and it wasn't a deer. Its eyes were centered in its face, huge and silvery, and its long face had no nose. It did have a mouth, and it opened to make a kind of rasping cry that the rest of the herd reacted to seven silver-eyed faces seven raspy cries they came toward us walking with a sliding step that stuttered at the end in a way that struck me as unearthly dump it here mary said and i did the buds splashed across the snow and the things calmly bent their heads to eat I wanted to look away from the tearing, slurping creatures, but something in my mind was certain they would attack if I did, chew and shred me to pieces and leave me in the snow with the rest of the meat. My breath came quickly, making tiny clouds in front of my nose. "'Calm down,' Mary said. She spoke coolly, as if we were discussing the gelding again. Her dog walked under the creatures, sniffing their green fur. One of them lazily pushed him aside with its foot. Something that was both a paw and a hoof. Those are monsters, Mary. They were just out there the whole time? The whole time, Mary said. Long before you were here, I found one with a broken leg and helped it heal. I hid it in the shed for weeks. It was an interesting time. I didn't know what to say. I watched the creatures finish their meal, lick each other's faces. They like bread, too. She said, and started tossing bits of the loaf to them. They gobbled it up, long tongues as thin as shoelaces, plucking the bread from the snow. In a way, I felt betrayed. Why did you show me this? Mary looked disappointed, like I'd missed something obvious. Sometimes you learn something about how the world works, and it doesn't make anything clearer. It's just another thing. The next morning was just as cold, but the wind died down. I pulled a hat on at the door and stood with my hand on the keys. Was everything the same or was everything different? Did I know more about my world or did the unknown simply recede slightly, giving nothing but a small sense of what I could never know? Maria... Maria, where are you going? Work, Dad. Do you know where your mother is? He was leaning on the kitchen wall with a bottle in his hand, but it was unopened. I walked over and put a hand around it. It was still cold. He must have just taken it out of the fridge. Come on, Dad, let me have it. He looked at my hand around the bottle. I thought I saw his fingers tighten, but then he released it. I took it into the kitchen. I'm so sorry, Maria, I'm so sorry. It's okay, dad, it's really okay. When I arrived at the barn, the gelding was waiting for me and trotted alongside the fence beside my car. Mary was also waiting for me, already leading a horse with nothing but a rope around its neck and a shoulder shrug. Go feed the deer, would you? The stuff's in the freezer, in the garage. Her door was unlocked The old dog perked up as soon as the door opened and woofed with something like confusion when he saw me. He heaved himself up to his paws and I could almost hear his old bones creak. I'd never been in Mary's house before. It was surprisingly feminine. Everything was pastel, including the pink carpet. There were doilies under the lamps and a cross stitch on the wall that said, Bless this home. I passed a photo on the kitchen counter in a white and silver frame that said family. The woman might have been Mary, a million years younger. There was a little girl in her arms, smiling and holding her hands toward the camera. Sometimes you learn something about how the world works, and it doesn't make anything any clearer, it's just another thing. I found the freezer and the bucket and I filled it. The dog followed me out to the field. The ice broke under my feet. There were the deer standing on the pond exactly where they were before. Their strange long faces turned toward the ground. When they saw me they made their raspy calls and came over to eat. One of them kept coming, that slow shaky gait so unlike any other creature I'd ever seen. Was this the one Mary saved? Was it frightened by me? I stood completely still, though it let the cold seep into me more deeply, and I wanted nothing more than to thrust my hands into my pockets and hunch over, to try to shield myself. The creature leaned forward, its long neck stretching longer, until the tip of its nose brushed the top of my hand, the one I'd peeled a glove off to better open the bread. Warmth spread across it as if I would brushed the top of a flame then it turned and went back to the herd. I came back from college and decided to stay with Mary until I figured things out. I worry sometimes that I'm feeding off of her certainty unable to make my own. My parents don't like it but we don't talk much anyway. Mary sold the gelding to a little girl who uses him for 4-H His ankles as clear as ice. There are still seven deer, there are always exactly seven deer, with metallic eyes and thin tongues and mouths full of teeth. The lawn jockey has sunk up to his neck and I think I'll let the ground take him. The old dog is still here. He sleeps at the foot of my bed. His eyes have gone silver. Winter Horses and Other Unknowables was originally published in Fell Beasts and Fair, a Noble Bright Fantasy.
0: Thank you again for subscribing to the Crypto Naturalist Patreon.